In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. 911 emergency. Oh, Please. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents. Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Hey everybody and welcome to the latest podcast from Betches Media, not another true crime podcast where we will be talking about all the sketchy shit your heart desires. Stuff like scams, cults, conspiracy theories, and of course, murder. I'm Sarah Levine, editor-in-chief of Betches.com and my co-host is Hannah Perkins, famed memer of the Pretend Blonde account and former Betches writer. Um, And I'm not saying that we're obsessed with cults, but we're kind of obsessed with cults. So we're going to talk about another cult today. Pretty exciting. Today we're talking about the Rosh Nishis. The Rosh Nishis? Did I get it? I literally had to send it out phonetically. Um, (laughs) And so we're pretty excited. Sarah, I know this is uh, this is your like domain. You're super into this. So what got you what got you interested? Everyone was like you have to. And okay, as I was researching Buddha Field, I was like, this shit is a little bit boring. I need some more Mm. pizzazz. Um, (laughs) And everyone is like, you need to talk about Wild Wild Country. And I was like, okay, I'm into like a good Netflix true crime doc. So I started it and initially I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay, this is kind of cool. And then it's just like, yo, it gets lit. These people are nuts. The thing is about this documentary is I think it's amazing because um, I think most of my notes are just going back and forth between like, oh, I'm on this people's side. No, I'm on this people's side. And like, it's just, I think they do a pretty good job of not trying to like hit you over the head with a purpose oh this guy's innocent or these people are misunderstood they really just present both sides to you and they kind of let you draw your own conclusions a lot of documentaries don't do that now especially true crime it's like this is the bad guy and those are the good guys so all right we'll talk about the raj nishis they were started by this guy named bhagwan shri rajneesh um his original name was chandra mohan Jane, I Jane, I don't know. Jane, I don't know. I fucked it up. But he was born in India, and he studied philosophy, got a bachelor's, then a master's, went on to teach at university, and during that time, he just kind of like developed this belief system. Like he kind of became this spiritual leader. He would travel around the country and like spread his beliefs. One of the things that he um, believed in was this thing called dynamic meditation which is kind of just like a lot of screaming and dancing and like flailing around like you see in in wild wild country like when you see these people screaming like banshees that's dynamic meditation (laughs) which is like crazy i mean i guess that's why it's dynamic because like that is not traditional (laughs) meditation oh no not at all yeah this is not real and i like in my you know research i found out that he kind of he preached about one of his big things was about a new man and i think it's more in the sense of like a new kind of mankind and It's when they'd experience inner freedom through accepting and surpassing desires. It gives me like very Scientology vibes. I think that's like most religions is about surpassing desires. I think this one like incorporates a lot of things from Buddhism. And Hinduism. Yeah, and Western ideologies. He's kind of a funny dude though, because like he's pretty inconsistent. Oh yeah, I read that too. (laughs) And it's just the peace and love thing. But then he's like back in India, he was like a political activist and he didn't necessarily believe in peace and love. It's just a very inconsistent, the only consistent thing they had was their inconsistency. Rajneesh wrote, I think like 600 something books on this one philosophy. So you got to think like he kind of starts like, I guess this is like how you become a guru. You like study philosophy. You start 
preaching a little bit, you attract a following. By 1964, Damn. he'd started recruiting people and doing meditation camps. And then by 1970, he was encouraging Westerners, a.k.a. white people. Always. To move out to India and, like, basically become his followers. And they had this ashram, and then they were living there. It got too crowded, and the Indian government officials didn't really like them. So they had a hard time finding a bigger one, and they ultimately, like, couldn't find a bigger place to move to. Then, in 1980, a Hindu fundamentalist tried to assassinate Rajneesh. I think that one thing Wild Wild Country doesn't get into that much is, um, like, literally how big of a deal this guy was. Because they kind of yeah. present it like, oh, yeah, this guy, this man who never really spoke that much, never talked to the press. All these people thought he was a rock star. And you're like, why? He yeah. was obviously well, a big deal if he was ha- like had assassination attempts. Yeah. And like thousands and thousands of followers. Right. I mean, you don't just become that popular for no reason. They leave India following yeah. him being assassinated. Attempted assassination. Okay. He was yeah. he did not die. They go to Antelope, Oregon, which is this like small, small town of about forty residents, and they buy this giant ranch. It was just kind of like a perfect storm of they found this giant plot of land where basically nobody lived and they're definitely in the conservative part of our uh, part of town okay let's talk about what the sannyasins yeah rajneeshis are also called sannyasins i don't get why it's like really confusing to me yeah um i never really figured it out i felt like this religion had like 16 different names they called each other and i was like i think a major flaw of wild wild country was like they don't really explain what actually are like the tenets of this so-called religion That would even entice someone to, like, buy into this at all. I feel like from Wild Wild Country, it just seems like this weird, huge sex cult. But Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah, but Rajneesh had, like, tens of thousands of followers all over the world. So, obviously, there was a little bit more to it than, like, you can just fuck whoever you want. Almost all cult followers, it seems like, are white. Um, Yeah, It's a thing. What's that about? And I don't know what's going on. White people. A lot of them... White people, get it together. (laughs) A lot of them were really young and college educated, which is another thing that we've found in our time, you know, researching cults is that a lot of them are young and college educated, which is crazy. I've come to the conclusion that everyone's parents was probably in a cult at some point in time. Come on, we've gone through like four cults now. And you and I talk about cults all the time. And it's like always born in the 80s. Always. Okay, well, I sort of think that the reason white people are drawn to these cults is, like, kind of analogous to the same reason that white people now are drawn to, like, crystals and Reiki. Like, you want to feel spiritual and, like, connected to something, and maybe you're rejecting organized religion. And I think, actually, this religion is a little interesting because it does combine a lot of philosophies. So, sannyasa, which is, like, where you get the name sannyasin is derived from, right? It's, like, a form of aestheticism. In Hindu philosophy, mm-hmm. where you like denounce worldly possessions and all that stuff. Yeah. And so neo sannyasins, which are Rajneeshis, would they embrace the world and they denounce the ego, which is where the name comes from. And they would take hmm. Hindi names and wear like wooden necklaces, which with uh, Rajneesh's face on it. They also <laughs> mostly wore red and orange. The, his face thing, it reminds me of those like Jesus bracelets yeah. that everyone had. Dude, I think that's so weird. Um, <laughs> and I think also the thing was too. Um, I mean, according to Wikipedia, but it said it was not really super based on a specific ideology and philosophy, but more on like practices and techniques and ways to try to make yourself like a better person and choose your own path. Rajneeshism called itself a religion, a religionless religion. So it was kind of more about like love, meditation, being mindful, less about, oh, these are like the Ten Commandments or whatever that you have to follow. This whole thing is just seems like a very extended yoga class plus adding sex and then much later semi-automatic weapons. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> you're not wrong because like rich white people now are all drawn yoga. to yoga yeah. fucking like acupuncture and shit roshnish was called the rich man's guru like he called himself yeah. that and it was that's like one yeah. of his inconsistencies for sure yeah this dude had like at one point 20 rolls royces and oh my like God. a million rolexes okay first of all what 
Why do you need more than one Rolls Royce? Rolls Royce. Like, do you have a different one to match all your outfits? No, because you wear red every day. Okay. It's like, how do you people not know that you're being duped when your leader is like literally running around in a million Rolls Royces? And it was not exactly a secret. Like they would brag about it all the time. Well, he had a watch that he wore all the time that was like jeweled. And I looked it up and it's worth $1.2 million in today's money. Dude, that's fucking insane. But sex was also a big part of this religion um rajneesh believes sex is divine i think that's also like an interesting thing because it is pretty much the only like i guess one of the only like big religious like movements that doesn't try to shame you for sex and embraces it religion to still to this day is very weird about sex and right. doesn't so yeah i mean it as far as I know, it might be, like, the only one that really embraces sexuality. Yeah, and, and if this is, like, the 70s, if we're talking about still in India when this is, like, really taking hold, like, this is still the 70s. I read this piece that kind of critiques Wild Wild Country for not placing Rajneeshism in a larger historical, historical context. Because right. this takes hold in the late 1960s where they say thousands of young hippies were coming into India to try to find enlightenment and or cheap drugs. They were also, like mixing in their own western ideas while learning all these practices and also rajneesh was an outspoken social and political critic he attacked the socialist policies of nehru and the religious prudery of gandhi also calling for india to open its doors to western capitalism so interesting so it seems like he was kind of like the guy like if you were like from a westernized country you wanted enlightenment you were a hippie you were taking drugs like this dude like sounds like the dude yeah he's on your side for sure yeah. i think it's In a the most scientific funny. terms he was the dude yeah and i feel like it seems like there's a little bit of a money aspect to it for him as well he's definitely not dumb let's just put it that way and yeah. he knows that he's making money off of being the dude for all these wealthy college educated white people a lot of them were from either england the united states or australia coming in and searching for enlightenment and he's the dude so they're paying for him to to be the dude and be their voice and help them find enlightenment and he knows that i mean yeah the sex thing kills me because <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong like own your sexuality do what you gotta do but there's like a, a statistic in here that 83 percent of people on the commune had a venereal disease yeah that's what um jane stork who's this kind of major player in wild wild country um she claims in that in her memoir but I mean, holy shit, they're obviously not practicing safe sex, obviously, which is I mean, I don't necessarily expect like cult members to take all precautions, but that yeah. to me is just so dangerous. If you're fucking outside, you're probably not using a condom. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I'm like, this is a mess. This is a clusterfuck, literal clusterfuck. Yeah, gross. Do you think yeah. like it is interesting um to talk about what they believed i sort yeah. of get, i mean i get it just because like yeah. i'm not this type of person at all but even today i feel like you have the exact types of people still exist who would like join this commune in a second let's talk about antelope they take okay. their followers they go to antelope it's like this tiny town it's a retirement community i think there were literally like 40 something residents at the time yeah. when they move in which is like i think 80 or 81 these residents were super not thrilled about this cult moving in they tried because to, they're like old right and they tried to build a commune and call it rajneesh Puram. they literally took this undeveloped land and mm. they created their own plumbing they created their own electricity they built like all these a-frame houses they did yeah. that all by themselves like all by hand i think it's actually pretty incredible and they also they covered their bases not just on the housing front but they covered their bases on like the food front because they had a lot of farmers and a lot mm -hmm. of people who had really worked with animals and who knew how to create you know cheese and how to you know create milk and things like that and they like so they were covered on truly they really didn't need the rest of the world to survive which right. is nuts i think initially they did initially they did succeed in creating this self-sufficient utopia community right where things sort of went south was when the town 
kind of pushed back on them. They were having like tons of loud sex. The town didn't love that. Yeah, it was like animalistic is what I read. Yeah. It, like it sounded like a bunch of gorillas. Gross. And eventually yeah. like coexisting with the townspeople wasn't enough because they wanted to establish the commune as their own city, which is <laughs> where shit really started to go downhill. So there's definitely... a another player in this whole yep. situation we've talked about rajneesh so how do you say ma, anand, ma anand sheila, sheila. yeah most of them Hell call yeah. her sheila throughout the documentary oh this woman is badass i know this is so terrible to say because she masterminded like a lot of super fucked up shit she's also fucking awesome she's a bad person but she's kind of a fucking badass yeah she tr- she's so badass sheila was the former administrative leader of rajneeshism and she was like the personal secretary to bhagwan and they actually met back in india and a fun thing mm. about her is she was actually the one who synthesized all the teachings and established this religion in the first place he's like the figurehead and she's like the meat yeah. behind it and he was like oh i'll just write these books and do these talks and she was like hey let's make this a more organized thing yeah she's like let's make some fucking money rajneesh yeah so it all starts in 1981 they want to make their own city rajneesh um or rajneesh Puram. so in 1982 a bunch of people from the commune i think there's a couple hundred at this point they outnumber like antelope residents like 10 to 1 yeah so they first have a bunch of people vote to get themselves on the city council so they can like be in city government um then the town tried to disincorporate i don't really get why i think that was just petty like, they didn't want Rajneesh, Rajneeshis to take over their town, so they're like, fuck you, we're going to disincorporate so you don't have a town to take over. Yeah. I mean, they were, these people were fucking pissed. The citizens of Antelope did not like the harassment or the prospect of more Rajneeshis moving in. And they decided to disincorporate the town. That was the only way they could stop us. So they put up a vote to disincorporate their town. Well, we didn't want that to happen. But that didn't work because all the Rajneeshis showed up like in droves to vote. But that wasn't really enough. Eventually, she tries to take over the local government and the county government. Say what you will about Sheila. This girl is determined. Yeah. And I feel like she's really good at like exploiting all these like laws and legal loopholes to her advantage. And I think also where things started to go like super duper south was in 1983. Um, They had this hotel in Portland, Hotel Rajneesh. It was Mm -hmm. bombed by an Islamic militant group. And that's sort of when the Rajneeshis were like, we're under attack. Yeah, we're under attack. We're not, we're no longer like nonviolent people. Like we're going to strap up. They literally are stockpiling semi-automatic weapons and they would have regular target practice on the ranch. The security force opened one of its daily training sessions to the press. We're here hopefully so that Wasco County can relax a little bit. These are trained people, they're sharp, they know what they're doing, and they're training with a lot more clarity than a lot of folks out there buying handguns over the counter. And so the Antelope residents now are like starting to get nervous and they're like, hey, we got to do something about these people. This now violent sex crazed cult yeah, that is perhaps. up the street from us and outnumbers us a zillion to one. I think initially the Antelope residents seemed a little bit xenophobic for no reason. And right. then as time goes on, it becomes clear that their fears are founded. But yeah, I felt like it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if they had left each other alone, I wonder if it would have gotten to this point. There's a level of like the Rashnishis cannot fucking chill out. Like they built their utopia. Yeah, the townspeople don't like them, but like they have their shit. They're doing whatever they need to do. But now they want to go into government. And then when they get into government, they want to go into county government. And Bob, it's like, they just like can't chill. And the people in Antelope are like, we just listened to you guys have sex all day. This was our town before it was yours. And then you have this bombing, which. The people in Antelope didn't do. Yeah, that was actually interesting. Wild Wild Country, I don't think explicitly states that it was bom- they were bombed by an Islamic militant group. They sort of seem to imply that it's just by, like, I don't know, regular ass, like, white conservatives. The old folks in Antelope? No, they <laughs> like... don't say that, but they don't address that it's an Islamic militant group. And right. I think they sort of make it seem like it's by, like, conservative white people. By, like, midway through the history of Rajneesh Puram, so like around 1982, 1983, you kind of are like, okay, yeah, these people are definitely in the right. 
1983 is like when things start to ramp up. The Oregon Attorney General's gotten involved, Dave Frohnmeyer, um, because I think the residents of Antelope are kind of pressuring him to like do something. Yeah, they're like, hey, you guys have to help us. So finally in 1983, the, the Attorney General is able to attempt to step in by claiming that the existence of Rajneeshpuram violates the separation of church and state clause because the entire town is controlled by a religion, which, yeah, <laughs> seems, seems fair. Seems fair. I mean, that seems like the most logical way to yeah. go after this. But the Rajneeshis are obviously not down, so they're like, no. oh, okay, um, the Oregon Attorney General is coming after us. We're going to now get control of the county government. Literally... He's like, you can't control a town with a religion. And they're just like, fuck you. We're going to control a whole county with this religion. Exactly. And that's where like, <laughs> Sheila is kind of like insane because she, she never lies work down. Out? She never lies down and takes it. She always like fights back and has this like this plan to get over this. And then there's like even bigger plan. It's kind of crazy. Bhagwan has taught me strength. And you think I'm going to waste my strength away? Yeah, here's where people get nuts. Yeah, because, I mean, they already had Rajneesh Perum. Like, they had their city. They wanted to keep it. So they start this program where they bust thousands of homeless people who the entire documentary calls street people, which I think is, like, way more offensive than just calling them homeless. They're just street people sounds derogatory, like in Aladdin when they call them a street rat. So they're homeless people. They bust them from all over the country to the commune, into the commune to live there. And they're like, hey, you guys can live here for free. You'll get free food, free beer, and ever. And it seems like, oh, that's actually like a pretty cool thing that they're doing. Like that's really nice. And then the other shoe drops, and yeah. you realize, oh yeah, you can stay here. You can live here for free. We'll give you food. All you have to do is vote. Yeah, and that's because Oregon. I don't think they have these laws anymore. Hopefully, they learn their lesson. Oregon had these batshit banana laws that you could vote in an election for Oregon officials as long as you lived in Oregon for 20 days. Yeah, it was just very lax laws. I've had vacations that long. And then <laughs> and I can vote. i my room longer than that. Yeah, I mean, seriously. So they did that. So they bring all these people in there and they're just like, you guys can chill, have whatever you want, but you got to be out in 21 days. No, <laughs> like, no, they didn't have to be out, but they didn't, okay. like, think, they didn't think about it beyond that. They're like, oh yeah, you guys can live here, but you have to vote. But the problem was they all showed up in buses to try to register to vote. And the county had caught on that this was happening. They're like, oh no, no, we can't do this. So the yeah. voting commissioner decides to block all new voter registration like i think days or weeks before the election which i don't know seemed like illegal to me I'm like, yeah but at the same time is it voter fraud in some ways i mean not if they're living there for more than 20 days i don't feel like i mean i guess it's like, but i also feel like they're kind of following the letter of the law right now well then in 1984 when it became clear that all the homeless people and they're like we're talking thousands of people wouldn't be allowed to vote and the Rajneeshis were going to lose. Sheila lost her damn mind. And Sheila went off the edge. Sheila realizes they're not going to win these votes. Homeless people are all there in her, in her deal. So she decides that the best way to do this, which is fucking diabolical is to make it so that no one else can vote pretty yeah, much. So ass. it's just the, the Rajneeshis can vote. So she's like, what's the fastest way to, to knock out the voter population, she poisons them. She puts salmonella bacteria in salad bars throughout the county and gets 750 people violently ill from salmonella poisoning. Yeah, it was the largest bioterrorist plot on U.S. soil. I mean, it is, that what? is fucking insane. Like that's also so dangerous. Like people could have died from that. Oh, yeah, people die from food poisoning all the time. It's evil. It's nuts. And to me, just the thought of like extracting a salmonella bacteria and then just like putting little drops in pieces of iceberg lettuce. Well, they had this like entire science lab on in Rajneeshpuram, like on the commune that they would like develop this bacteria or like all these drugs and shit. Like, yo, shit was mad weird. There was a lot of people eating the salad bar, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they went to do this. It's this area I, called the Dalles, which I think is just like, I don't know, some popular area in the county. And it was like multiple salad bars. Yeah. They, yeah. They definitely went to multiple salad bars. It's not like 750 people ate from the same salad bar. No. My best friend at like 
refuses to eat from salad bars because she always like we had a salad bar in the sorority like every day and she would never ever eat it and she just thinks they're disgusting and she's she always would say you just don't know what's in it you just don't know like what's I in the think, salad yeah, i think most of the time when you read about like e coli outbreaks and stuff like it's that in a salad bar yeah it's mostly from like lettuce and stuff that is unwashed rather than you eating chicken or something like that. Yeah. So this is now very much taken a traumatic toll on me. I don't yeah. know if I will eat from a salad bar ever the same. Definitely um, not in the Dalles. I'm going to be very hesitant to get a salad. So anyways, she poisoned 750 people. Not her personally, like just to clarify, but yeah, her like minions. Yeah. She sends, she orders for them to be poisoned. Yeah, for sure. So the goal was to get a lot of people sick so they don't come out and vote. But it didn't work. The people were still like... Like, fuck you, we're going to go out and vote. Because I think it was kind of known that they caused this. Rosnishis caused this. And people were just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to go over there and vomit all over my vote. And I'm still going to submit it. And uh, Did you read that anywhere? Or are you just making that up? No, they did go over there. I, no one vomited vomiting? on their vote. I think a lot of these people were like in the hospital. I got well, the impression that it just didn't affect enough people to like did. really take out the voter count. It, it's like not all 750 people were in the hospital, but the, I read that like a lot of people were like, we're still, even though we're sick, we're still going to go vote Damn. because they've now made so many enemies <laughs> in this County Jesus. and they've, poisoned everyone so they were just like we're gonna go vote either way i feel like even if i wasn't going to vote it, this is one of those things that i think this is where the roshni she's really polarized themselves yeah no shit it encouraged people who weren't anti-roshni to be anti-roshni and go and vote so they ended up losing i mean because people were like this is bullshit and then the homeless people that have been sitting in the roshni commune they had no purpose to them anymore yeah they're also realizing and i realized this the second they started busting in all these homeless people i'm like a lot of people are homeless because they're severely mentally ill and they're not being yeah. treated and I'm like, what is your guys' plan to just mix them in with, like, the regular people of the cult? Turns out that yeah. backfired. Um, there was, like, one guy who, like, went crazy, cried, tried to attack Sheila. So they're like, yeah, they're like, ooh, this is an issue. So they ended up trying to sedate these homeless people with drugs that they made on the commune. And that was where they really lost me. I was like, wow, you guys brought these people here. You told them that they were going to be cared for. And then you're sedating them. And then what, when that didn't work, they literally dumped them on the street. Oh, they dumped them in like the side of the roads in Portland. So yeah, so a lot of people in the cult really claim that they didn't know that this was going on. And and I believe I believe them because everything I've read about Sheila, she had a very tight inner circle. Yes. And she was very ruthless. And she would not let anyone in the circle unless she trusted them with everything. So, and she would get in fights with people all the time. She was a like a tough tough person to get along with so i don't think that this these plans ever left her inner circle i think this was her and her goons and a lot of people were in the yeah, dark agreed. because that's how sheila left it yeah, yeah one of her goons was that woman jane who we referenced earlier who came out with that memoir yeah um so, so that shit went crazy but there's more whoop, whoop. this is why this is my favorite cult like these people were batshit I guess like the separation of church and state argument like wasn't necessarily going anywhere with the Rajneeshis hmm. to try to shut them down. But the feds get involved and here's where they really get the case is they kind of realized what the Rajneeshis were after all along was this gigantic plan to defraud the U.S. government by marriage fraud. So here's what they would do because they had like thousands of sannyasins all over the world. So they would find a sannyasin in like India or some other country. Then they would find someone at the commune. They'd fly them both out to like Texas or some random state, have them <laughs> live together for a little while, put them up in an apartment, have them get married and boom, green card for that other dude. Yeah. It was just like a, a constant marriage thing. Like they did yeah, it, it was like constantly. A, it was like and a And they chain. did it in all these different states and from people from different countries. So it was like yeah. harder for the feds to track. Yeah. But I mean, but the, they found them. the feds did track them. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if this was happening today and the field day Donald Trump would have over this? Uh, yeah, no, I know. No, yeah, <laughs> it would be it would be nuts. But yeah, yeah, our country would fucking implode. <laughs> like, but this was like a systematic, organized 
thousands of people. (laughs) Yeah. Was it? I don't know how many it was, but. Well, they have thousands of thousands of people in the following. I mean, we don't really know how many it was, but it's got to be enough to alert the feds. Right. Well, I think the feds were kind of looking for a reason to shut them down. And then they were like, Eureka, we found it. So I don't know if they like had thousands of counts of marriage fraud, but it was like enough. Yeah, enough to be sought out. To constitute like a pattern. Sheila realizes the feds are on their tails and everything's going to come crashing down. And instead of going quietly into the night, (laughs) this bitch just like ratchets it up even more and attempts to murder county officials. She truly goes nuclear. Yeah, she really does. She loses her fucking mind. Under her direction, attempt to shoot Charles Turner, the attorney general. One of them was literally this woman, Jane Stork. She was like well known as the best shot in Rajneesh Puram. She had really good aim, I guess. Um, Wow. Their plan was going to shoot him in the parking garage as he left work. But for some reason, they didn't end up going through with it. And I'm not really clear why. Because they're going to be charged with murder when it, I mean. I don't know. I mean, they also like burned down, I think commissioner's office or some like government officials office they literally burned it down yeah they the whole going after uh government officials not a solid plan just throwing that out there nope. yeah it was nuts. so she does that and she, this is sheila this is not to be confused with other people in the cult or the main guy roshni yeah this is this is her and her minions yeah, she's fucking crazy. And so then after all that, just when you think it's about to end, it doesn't end. <laughs> nope. So Sheila's doing all this shit on behalf of the cult, according to her, on behalf of the cult. Right, but to like protect we said, the community. Right. Like we said, a lot of the cult members either A, didn't know what the fuck was going on, or B, did not agree with what Sheila was doing. It's crazy how little people agree with mass poisoning an entire fucking county. I know, Um, right? What a controversial opinion. Hot take. (laughs) Um, But they, so she starts to kind of fall out of favor in, um, in the cult. The people are kind of like, I don't think most of the people in the cult are aware of what's going on. Yeah, but but yeah, she I think, starts to fall out of his favor. Yeah, and I think it's because he's like, you need to fucking chill out. You know, you're gonna get us in super big trouble because you can't chill. If we just gone, if we'd started this quietly, the feds wouldn't be knocking at our door. But you just can't. So, anyways, yeah. So sh- she kind of starts to be taken out a little bit, and then a group of Hollywood type people. We none of us know who these people are. We can't remember their I names. I forgot their names. One was like a director, a producer of some movie, and his wife. I was just too lazy to look. Yeah, it up. yeah. So it's just the people who work in Hollywood. Um, they come in and they earn Bogwan's favor by basically giving him all these things by complimenting him by feeding Give him, like, his Rolexes. ego. This yeah. dude is like literally a magpie. He just loves shiny shit. And they're just as Sheila's yeah. falling out of favor, they're coming into favor by like pretty much bribing him with shiny kissing stuff, ass. kissing his yeah. ass. So eventually the producer's wife uh takes Sheila's job. And at yeah. the same time they bring in this new doctor guy who gets Bhagwan hooked on drugs. I forget what drugs. I think it's like opium maybe? Maybe it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the opioid addiction didn't just come out of nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah. so they get him um, hooked on drugs, and Sheila is like, oh no, that's not going to happen. So yeah. she tries to kill the doctor. Sheila, when will she learn? <laughs> so Sheila, Sheila, she's now lost her job. She's fucking pissed. She's already tried to murder people before. She's not above it. She's she not ins- above it. She's not above it. She's like, whatever, I'm already walking down this road. Might as well keep going. So she instructs um, one of her followers, it's like this Australian lady. Yeah, Jane Stork. To fill a syringe with some kind of substance that is going to be lethal to this doctor. And Jane tries to inject him at public gatherings. Yeah, it's which- like this giant public thing where like Bhagwan is there and everyone is like worshiping and they tried to pull like a stealth maneuver where she would just walk by and like jab and him. stick the needle in. Yeah, like you see, see in fucking movies. I was about to say that gives me like so much terrifying fear like that. That's like one of those things that I think especially when like given this time period when the AIDS epidemic was happening and people were freaking the fuck out. Like that was something that a lot of people thought was happening was that someone was just injecting them with AIDS, which, or with HIV, which we're not saying it didn't happen in some cases, but I think it was like kind of a thing in that time period, the whole fear of being 
stabbed with a needle and being injected with something. <laughs> um, so they really just so played played to the um, <laughs> the common thing there. And so she's gonna stab him with this this thing. I don't know. We don't know what it is. It's just some kind of substance that's gonna hopefully kill him. And uh, she doesn't succeed. So Sheila's zero for two on the whole murdering thing. Mm -hmm. She's really not a good murderer. Thankfully. Um, thankfully. I mean, she has she's many skills. A lot of Murder things. is not <laughs> one of them. Not one of them. And one could argue that's probably a very good thing that she's not a skilled murderer. So mm. then after all that, basically this shit just implodes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, in 1985, and, Sheila and Rajneesh and some of these top people flee the commune. Sheila and co. make it to Germany. Rajneesh is not so lucky. I think he leaves a little bit after them, so the feds are already like watching to see what's going to happen. Yeah. He's, he tries to fly to Bermuda. He gets caught in mm. North Carolina when he's refueling and trying to flee <laughs> the country. And I really feel like it's this like OJ-style chase, but on planes in the middle of the night. That's kind of, it's kind of dope. I'm not going to lie. It's so, it's so funny. Like, I mean, it's not funny, but it's just interesting. It's not funny, but also like a plane chase. That's kind of yeah, dope. Yeah, they like, they come out, they're like tracking the plane. They're like, oh, he's got to refuel in North Carolina. So the feds are like waiting and then he arrives and then they're like busting down the runway, like get out of the plane. It's like, it's so crazy. But federal authorities were keeping close track of his flight path. And when the two Lear jets carrying him and six disciples landed in Charlotte, customs men and marshals were waiting with guns drawn. The second plane that came in, I guess they were waiting on someone to come out and meet them. Well, no one come out, came out and meet, met them there. Uh, they were a few minutes there that was kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. So we blocked the airplane about the time they were unloading. And then we surrounded the plane and they were no incidents. Damn. Yep. So yeah, so he gets caught and then the woman, Jane Stark, who tried to kill the doctor, is sentenced to 10 years in prison, but she only serves three um, and they let her out of jail to visit her sick son. So... Yeah, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> like, holy white privilege, Batman. Yeah. This, little, this lady <laughs> tried to kill two people. Including a county official or a yeah. state official, actually. And only served three years in jail. That's what's crazy is there's people, uh, I could talk about this all day. There's people with like first time drug offenses yeah, who are in there for 15 all years. The time. Yeah. All day. Yeah. The, the corruption in the justice system, that we could have like a whole season on that. Yeah. And so then Roshnish is arrested on immigration charges and he pleads no contest and he voluntarily leaves the US. He's like, all right, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. And then Sheila and her associates plead guilty to attempted murder for poisoning two county officials as well as, you know, 750 other people. And um, she's sentenced to 24 years in federal prison, but only serves two and a half years and is later released and leaves for Switzerland without facing additional charges from the state of Oregon. And my comment on that was, why though? <laughs> Don't know. I wonder if it's just like, I think that I got t the impression towards the end of the documentary that like, they just wanted these people fucking out of here. They were like, we yeah. don't want to deal with you. Like, go to India, Rajdish. You can't come back here. Like, we don't yeah. want to keep you in jail. Just get the fuck out of here and, like, yeah. leave us alone. And Sheila's so fucking crazy. I'm sure they were just, just like, you need to be as far away from us as possible. <laughs> like, we don't even want you in the prison system because you are out of your fucking mind. So, yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in 1990, Rajneesh dies. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how old he is. I want to say he was like in his seventies and then he was like old. Sh I feel yeah, like he, he was looked older. like he was in his eighties the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely did. He, uh, he was like a Benjamin Buttony kind of thing <laughs> or no, is that mo no, more of like a, like one of those people who always looks old, like a reverse Paul Rudd or like a reverse Paul like Rudd, Morgan Freeman, one. how he looks like he's been 70 for the past 20 years. Hasn't he, though? Like, I feel like Morgan Freeman does not age up kind of thing. Like, he doesn't yeah. look older than 70, but he doesn't look younger than 70. He just looks a flat 70 for his entire life. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, Sheila now lives in Switzerland. And if you watch Wild Wild Country, she is definitely the focal point of Wild Wild Country. She yep. is a huge, huge part of it. And she's, um, she's fucking crazy. But... You know, she makes for a good villain. Yeah. And as for what's happening in 
the land formerly known as Rajneeshpuram now, I wanted to introduce a very special guest, my coworker Becca, who has a really interesting connection to antelope. How's it going, everybody? It's going. It's going, man. Um, yeah, so pretty crazy. I used to go to summer camp in the old Rajneesh area. Um, so yeah, when we were younger at camp, there was on the other side of the mountain where we go hiking, they still have all those A-frame homes. Does anyone live in them? So that's a thing. I remember seeing people over there as kids and just knowing they would always tell us, oh, you can't go over that side. You know, that's not our property, things like that. And not totally sure maybe what was still going on during this time or if people were occupying those homes you like know. squatting maybe yeah yeah, yeah probably squatters I, the rajneesh probably weren't still just hanging out there because they were I all i think so because everything out. kind of imploded in like 85 yeah. yeah the weirdest thing to me too about rajneesh Purim is everything just implodes within a span of four or five years mm-hmm. it all happened so quickly yeah i mean they only come into oregon in like 81 and yeah. they're out and on the run in like 85 yeah. yeah and so the craziest thing was watching the documentary um you know first couple episodes they hadn't quite you know built everything up and as you start to see they put in that man-made lake they start yeah. building all the structures I start taking a closer look. I was like, oh my God, the room that they're all naked, jumping on each other, worshiping, is where we used to play basketball and I learned how to skateboard. Not good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that looks a little familiar. And then there was like, they're all having naked parties in the lake and like that. We're all bouncing off the blob and going on the zip line, jumping into that lake. It's kind of crazy. That's awesome. I wonder how many people from your camp also had that same realization while watching. So weird. And I called my parents. I was like, did you guys know this whole time? So yeah, I looked a little bit more into it. I found some New York Times or no, some article. I can't get a direct source right now. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the new camp director there had been talking about it, how... Um, a lot of the buildings there are just remodeled. So the same place where they were having these, whatever the hell they were doing, (laughs) happened to be like where all the campers are sleeping in their bunk beds, you know, talking about Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Because it became like a Christian camp, right? Very Christian, like probably, you know, I don't know if I'm going to offend people here, but a cult in itself. It's what, okay. We, we already offend on? everyone on this yeah. thing. <laughs> we we um, have a lot of uh, harsh opinions on this thing. So you never knew about this background when you were there? I mean, think you're, I was seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. You hear, I mean, we knew sex cult. I was, yeah. I always knew about like Kama Sutra. I'm like, oh, they were just practicing those crazy sex positions in Cosmo. Like that's, <laughs> Context I had. Um, wow. But yeah, that's nuts. That is seriously nuts. And what, about, what are the odds? What about the people of Antelope? Like, did you ever come into contact with any of them? So it's actually funny. So one year, my mom had to pick me up early from camp, and we had to drive through Antelope because. I was starving. I never liked the camp food. And so all there was, so this is what was crazy. You know how they show it's just the one diner that they have and they totally redid it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's what it is. They It's just an old ghost town, literally vultures everywhere. I'm not joking. Middle of the like, summer. Literal yeah. vultures. Yeah. And I remember we walk into this tiny little, it was just a little tiny mart middle of nowhere nothing else i don't even remember seeing houses in the town it's just like kind of barren area um i don't know if i was missing something um but uh yeah it was like they had you know a couple snicker bars here some red vines you could grab from the back there really was nothing going on in this town so it's almost weird watching in the show how they think they have this whole livelihood and thing going on there not to hate on them but but you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying to Hannah. Like, to me, it sort of felt like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, they came in really hot against these people who were, like, taking over their town, which was, like, 
they weren't really because they just wanted to be their own self-sufficient commune and they didn't really go into the town. Yeah. And also, I didn't know Bill Bowerman was involved with any of this either. Oh, yeah. The Nike guy. Yeah. Kind of yeah, crazy. OK, I, I read about that, too. I didn't know how Nike played into it, but I feel like Nike is a part of all things Oregon. Yeah, well, when that played in, I was like, oh, Bill Bowerman is crushing this. Like, they're getting out of here, you know? But even he couldn't take them down. Yeah, he had like, to get the feds involved. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Portland, Oregon's all about Nike. Where Antelope is, there's just nobody there, like, for my, like, tens and tens of miles. Like, nobody is around that area, so. Well, watching this documentary, I was, like, shocked that I'd never heard about this. I mean, you're talking about people who pulled off the largest biochemical attack on U.S. soil, and I never heard about it, and I guess you had it, and you lived there, or you, like, went to camp there. Well, so another funny thing is that, um, so you know how they're having, like, these crazy, like, naked parties or whatever the hell they're doing there? In the same rooms where they're doing this and worshiping whatever the fuck it was, you've got um, now Young Life Camp. They're putting on, like, skits from the Bible oh, no. in these same places. <laughs> Why are religions, like, attracted to this area? I don't know it's what like barren and they can literally do whatever they want it's <laughs> like... in the middle of nowhere. And this camp. So I growing up on the West Coast, I never went to the big Northeast camps, but the camps out here are what camps should be out there. It's like water. Sli- it's yeah, fully high tech. Yeah. It sucks. Like all the buildings are air conditioned and I'm like, this is bullshit. My camp used to be more rustic. Yeah. Oh, no. I worked at a summer camp in Maine, and this shit was like a resort. It was not camping. It's insane. My sister was a counselor up there for a summer. The way it's set up in Antelope, so they've got Wild Horse Canyon, which was the initial camp, which Uh is where I'm saying... You know, the blob is also where they're having their naked parties in the in the lake. Um, But then they have a new part of it called Washington Family Ranch or I could be wrong. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a whole water slide camp. Holy shit. All focused on. Yeah, it's like multiple water slides and it's full craziness. I guess if you really like water slides, that's a lot of money is back behind a summer camp like that. (laughs) Well, this has been like a very interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Becca. Yeah. Thanks, Becca. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Come back soon. On that note, Hannah, do you want to play some games? Yeah, I thought we would play Would You Rather Rajneesh Param Edition. Perfect. Would you rather only wear red for the rest of your life, as the Rajneeshis had to do, or have to eat the same meal for the rest of your life, which they didn't have to do. I just thought it was analogous. I would only wear red because that would ruin, like, that meal for me. But the sad part is I kind of have, like, a pinkish complexion. Like, I'm one of those people who gets really red when I'm, like, (laughs) nervous or something. So I wouldn't be a good-looking person, but it's fine. Oh, so that would be kind of tragic for you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of sad. Yeah, um, I think wearing red, I would also go with that. It offers like a little bit more versatility than the same meal. Yeah, definitely. Would you rather overhear your parents having sex or have them overhear you? Jesus. Yeah, I know. I yeah. wrote that one. Um, the inspo was that this was like this sex cult that these people are like having sex like baboons. Right. Okay. I think I would go with, I would overhear them just because then I will always have some sort of leverage. Interesting. You know, I I could be, and my mom will be like, um, no, you can't do this. I'll be like, yeah, well, remember that time you scarred me for life? Oh, okay. I see what you did there. So (laughs) Kim and I talked about this last night and he agreed with you. And I was kind of just like, that would scar me. So if we're going with like my parents my dad and my mom who are have been separated since i was super young oh i think that that would fuck me up in so many ways (laughs) um so i was like i would just rather have them overhear me and cameron of course was mortified by that um, idea my parents are still together i think I'm like old enough now that if I happen to overhear by accident, I'd be like, you know what? At least you guys are still having sex. I hope my parents never, ever listen to this episode. 
Yeah, but you know what? When a man and a woman love each other. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to go with have them overhear me. Okay, your turn. Again, right. we have one more. This is a good one. Would you rather Thank marry you. someone you hate only so they can get their green card or marry someone you love and watch them have sex with other people in the cult? I would rather marry someone I hate so Same. that they can get that. Because at least like you could kind of, I kind of feel like... If I hated that person, I would not be above fucking around on them. Oh, yes. I agree. Uh, but if I, like, if I had to watch Cameron have sex in a sex cult, I would, I would kill myself and everyone in the room. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. But I would, I would lose my fucking mind. Right. Um, Unless I was that in, would, like, an open sort of marriage. I couldn't even do that. Couldn't even do that. Like, an open relationship, open relationship to me is, like, such a baffling concept. Yeah. More power to you if you can do it. I just truly yeah. couldn't even couldn't I would, even imagine I would that. also go with marrying someone I hate the only thing that sucks though that I learned from watching 90 Day Fiance is that Ugh, when you one. sponsor someone for your green card you're literally on the hook with on the hook for them for 10 years like yeah you gotta pay for all their shit you have to vouch for them so like if I do hate this person it would suck I'm not to, to vouch to, for them yeah for 10 years yeah, still, that's an interesting. Still better than watching the person you love have sex in front of you, though. I think. I mean, it depends. Like some people would be like, I'd rather, you know, have the, I don't know, the one that I have sex, the one I love have sex because it doesn't trip me out that much. I just can't relate. I would. Oh my god, I don't even want to know how upset I'd be. It's that's making fair. Me, it's making me like upset just thinking about it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so I can say. With like a thousand percent certainty that this this whole cult was fucking insane, um, and I, I actually might need to watch the show. Um, I think I'm Highly I'm intrigued recommend. enough now. Yeah, I'm intrigued enough here. Um, I'm just gonna watch a show without being high. I'm just throwing out an idea. <laughs> um, and I think we can safely say that we've kind of wrapped up the cult portion in season one. I think. We have we have delved into this shit, so I'm excited to move on to other stuff. I'm sure you are too. Yes. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NATC Pod, or shoot us an email if you have questions or thoughts, or if you want to tell us about another cult that maybe your parents were in. Because I'm definitely gonna go home and ask my parents if they were in a cult. There's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing they could say to convince me that they weren't. Um, if you have any thoughts or whatever, um, email us at NATC at betches.com and don't forget to like subscribe rate us etc and rate us it sounds like like hot or not hot or not rating (laughs) but yeah give us like five stars on itunes the fuck yeah Um, and then leave us nice reviews thanks for listening to this episode of not another true crime podcast and remember if you like weird shit you know where to find us Batches.